Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Jonathan Dyke. Let's close your eyes just a moment because um, we're in a moment this morning. I believe God wants to help us see what grace is like. Grace is more than just a sticking plaster. Grace is more than just resigning ourselves to bad stuff. Grace is more than just helping us deal with the rubbish that the world is trying to chuck at us. But grace is the presence of God. It says of Jesus that he grew in grace and truth. And I just want to sow this reality that grace is the power of God. It's the love of God. It's the protection of God. It's the healing power of God. Grace is the mercy of God too. In fact, grace is everything that God gives us and we deserve nothing. Grace is more than just an emotional soothing. But grace is the very presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And when, just as Kai was saying, just receive that grace, I was just seeing there's a strength in that. Because it's not about me depending on me. Because I know what me is like, and you probably know what you're like. But it's okay, God, I'm going to trust you right now. Where I'm weak, you're strong. You see, grace is strength. There's a strength of God in grace, not just the soothing. Does that make sense? It's not just, "Mm, here's a kiss, it'll be all right. That's lovely, isn't it? But grace is, I love you too much to leave it like that. (laughs) Grace is, I love you too much to leave you like that. Grace says, I love you too much to leave that situation like that. I'm going to come in as the way, the truth, and the life. And I just love that. And as I was just reflecting on Jesus, you're the way, the truth, and your life. Jesus said, yeah, and I do all of those three things because of grace. He'll give us a way out. Because his way is not my way. I can try and work it out, but he wants to work it throughout. Does that make sense? Uh, We all live in truth. Trouble is, a lot of it isn't true. <laughs> Don't believe what you read about yourself. Don't believe what you see in the mirror looking back at yourself. God's truth is the truth. It's got a big T, not just a T. So when Jesus says the truth, God wants to bring his truth into our truth. Is to understand that? Because I don't know what you think about yourself. I don't know what you think about the people around the room, around the table, but I know that God thinks you're brilliant. He thinks you're amazing. You're the apple of his eye. He died for you. He rose for you. He reigns for you. He thinks you're amazing, outstanding, and he's prepared to pay an eternal ransom for your eternal destiny. That's truth. I don't know about anybody. Somebody's clapping over you. Jolly well should be because his truth is way above our truth. It's not about the truth of who I am, what I've done, what I've earned, what I haven't earned, what people think of me. Let me tell you, the truth is God thinks highly of you. That's the truth. And then the life. I don't know what kind of life we've dragged through the door this morning. Maybe that's what it feels like. 
Maybe some of you are waiting to run out. I don't know. But all I know is God's life is abundant life. God's life is beyond description, beyond compare. And he comes in the grace to bring all of that. This is cool. Come on. Thank you, Margaret. See, I'm doing, I'm doing great. But I never wrote any of this. I never did any of this. I never provided any of this. I'm just reminding you of what's available. I can't even save me. Come on. So just, just see beyond just that, oh, I feel better now. Because God wants to do more than make you feel different. He wants to make you different. Come on. He wants to do more than just make you feel all right with the rubbish that you're going through. Man, he wants to let you know that you're an overcomer of the rubbish. Come on. You're an overcomer. You're not an undertaker. You're an overcomer. It's like, well, that can't be true for me. That's called pride. Hello there. <laughs> well, it's all right for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. Please don't go down that cul-de-sac. It will bury you. It's come on. God loves all of us intensely, passionately, eternally. That is amazing. But God loves us too much to just say, you're an exception. What he says about all of you is that you are exceptional. You are favoured. Well, I don't feel very favoured. That's your truth. His truth is you're favoured. Well, you don't know what my life's like. Yes, he does. You're still favoured. <laughs> this is where God got its, in one sense, it's nonsense to us. In my head, I just don't get it. Win-win. Winner-winner, chicken dinner. It's like I can't get it. But God is, sorry, but God just wants to say, now, why am I, partly there's just a bit of a thing in the spirit right now. Is that okay? And I'm just picking up on it. Is that all right? So, sorry, there's, all the notes have gone out the window. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. But I just happened, happened to go in and sit with Sarah and she was setting up for the young saints. Young saints are brilliant. We love our young saints. Young saints become old saints. Come on. Only God can make us a saint, but everybody gets older. See, so that was quite profound. That was quite deep. Uh, when I gave my life to Jesus, I became a saint. And so did you, the Bible says. Saint whoever. Saint Andrew. I mean, we've already got loads of those, haven't we? Hello, Scotland. We've got saint. But when you give your life to Jesus, God says you become like a saint. You become a set-apart person, a person for my pleasure. That's what a saint is. A person that God can do extraordinary things through. That's what a saint does, right? But young saints, we're out there. So some of you would have seen the video the other day. Um, I think it's April time or something. Uh, Dave, how many of you love Dave Heddy? He's our children. He's just amazing, outstanding. I mean, world-class quality communicator. He's just brilliant. I'm just watching it. I'm thinking, Dave, you, you should be on CBeebies. <laughs> it's just like, this is cool. Um, so from, uh, I don't know, sometime over the next few weeks, Dave has worked tirelessly, endlessly, just catching God's heart and what he's saying and downloading it through his amazing heart for multi-generational people, which he has got, right? He's just brilliant. Um, but he's, he's been pretty busy. Uh, over 140 videos that take him probably a day to do. 
And I've just said to him, mate, let's do it a different way. And he was very happy. So in a couple of weeks' time, rather than do loads and loads of videos every week, there's just going to be one for every month. And then there'll be the same packs, the same amazing people around the young people. We've got guys out there now that just love to spend time with the young people. Uh, that's still going to happen. Uh, it's cool, isn't it? Because there's now so many more people coming back with kids, it's just going to work. It's just going to work better. But there's grace in that. That's windy. There's grace in that. In other words, God is going to do more going forward than he's done behind us. Because there's grace in it. There's power in it. I was out there this, this morning. Uh, he's done a little video, which is really, really brilliant. And it basically says this. Proverbs 25, 28. You won't have it turned because it's... Sorry. Proverbs 25, verse 28 says this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Well, I read that and thought, that's a bit grown up. And God said to me, why? Why is that in my head grown up when actually it's the word for anybody? Proverbs is a book that's just basic full of wisdom. If, if the world began to apply the principles of Proverbs, we'd be much smarter. Come on, all right? It's not rocket science. And I know because I used to do it. It's not rocket science. If we applied some of the proverbs, some of the signs of wisdom, some of the, um, uh, the practices of wisdom, we would be in a smarter place than we are now. Come on. All right. But this one is just lovely. So just imagine this. You know, maybe you know God. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you're just in the best you can with what you have. And you're, you're guarding this and you're guarding that. And you're trying to be positive. You're trying to, you know, deal with it all. But there's just something about our lives that the, the enemy just keeps jumping over the wall. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, maybe we pray a lot. Maybe we worship a lot. Maybe we spend a lot of time in the Bible. But there's just some areas of our life where it just seems over a period of time, the enemy just comes to, to do what? He only does a few things. Steal. What does he steal, though? You're very good. He steals exactly the things that God gave you. He can't steal what God didn't give you. Come on. I'll just leave that one to rumble around our intellect a little bit. The enemy comes to steal what God has given you. Peace, joy, strength. Quite often he steals it by trying to make it sound it's not true. He tries to steal the truth from us. He tries to kill us from the life part of Jesus. Well, you can't live like that. Yes, you can. You can't do that. Yes, you, do you understand what I'm saying? So the enemy comes in. But how many of you know that when we kind of reflect back maybe over the last six months or maybe the year or whatever, maybe our, our entire life, there's just these patterns where the enemy just keeps coming in and having a go and saying stuff. Well, I believe God can help us rebuild those areas. I believe God wants to. But I believe he does that through community. <laughs> In other words, my blind spots, you see. But guess what? Your blind spots, I see. <laughs> Hello. It's true, right? So I believe that as we move together as a people, 
regardless of age, color, creed, background, intellect, intellect, it doesn't matter, is that we need one another to live fully in the way, to live completely in the truth, and to express that life that God has given us. And I don't know whether you caught up, you caught up with the message last week. Last week was an interesting weekend for me because I, I was kind of going down this journey, this direction, getting ready for some stuff. And uh, my head was on that. And I got a text quite late at night from our senior pastor saying, I'm not very well. Can you preach tomorrow? And I thought, I'm not going to reply to that straight away. I'm just going to let that process because I always say yes. Ooh. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you would. You may not have done. Uh, maybe some of you would have just deleted it or just put, you know, out in a meeting or blank or whatever or, you know, sort yourself out. I, I don't know. Uh, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But, but in, my, in my journey of challenge, I've, <laughs> I've translated in my life, and this might be different in yours, that I love to be dropped in it. Now, that doesn't give you permission to drop me in it, right? <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> I love you. What? That, okay, for those of you listening, that was Holly. Thanks, Holly. We love you, but you have gone red, and quite right too. But but hear what I'm hello, mate. But hear what I'm saying here. I, I've learned the value of God in being dropped in it, not the value of me. Because when I got that text, immediately it was like. I won't tell you what I thought immediately, but I'll tell you what my second thought was, get a grip. <laughs> me. Get a grip of me. All right? Because that's where self-discipline comes in. It's about I discipline my self-response. I discipline my self-way. I discipline my self-truth. I discipline my self-life. And my first response was, whatever. My second one was, okay, God, this is an opportunity then. But it doesn't just come automatically. For you, maybe you're a bit more down the journey than I am. But it, it wasn't with me. The first thought was that, and I parked that because I knew that was me. The second one was, okay, God, you're going to use this then. Which means I'm going to trust you to use it, speak, do whatever you're going to do, right? But that's something that is learned on the way by applying the truth and receiving the life. It's not done because I've done it before. Because we can download that scene into everyday settings. When you're going to school or going to work or sitting on the bus, is you're still going to get dropped in it. Because like I said last week, you don't know anybody that doesn't need to know more about Jesus, including now. There are people around your table, even maybe people right in your immediate lives. Man, they need to know a bit more about the way. They need to know a bit more about the truth. They need to know a bit more of what the life looks like. So you don't know anybody that doesn't need to know more about Jesus. How cool is that? I quite like that, but there's also a challenge in it, right? Because it means we're constantly, we have been dropped in it by Jesus. Come on, I'm sorry. If you, if you have an issue with it, please take it up with him, not me, okay? But Jesus says, no, I'm sending you. Who do you think, he was, who do you think the you is? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Back at you. So when Jesus says, I'm sending you, don't you think that Jesus knew what kind of way, truth and life we'd be living in? And he still said, I'm sending you. 
I don't know. What, this is. I might as well switch that off because he's got nothing to do with that at the moment. <laughs> All I know is from from this tw- uh, seven days ago to now, I've just reevaluated and I've come up with a with a whole new understanding of the power of serving the house. Because you all live in a house. Whether it's your house, whether it's the building society's house, whether it's a rental agency's house, whether it's your... You all live in a house. But you are also a house. The Bible says that when you give your life to Jesus, you become like a part of the household, part of a, a live piece of stone, which is amazing. It's not like some of the bricks and things that are getting blown around by you, Liz, bless her. But you're a living stone. There's things about you that God wants to change and develop and fill and use. But I've learned this about service, all right? Uh, This might be news to you. But service needs someone at the end of it. Serving means there needs to be someone at the end of it, not something at the end of it. Jesus didn't come to serve something. He came to serve someone, and that someone is sitting on your chair. He didn't come to serve the chair. (sighs) And I learned in a whole fresh way. Actually, I'm not here to serve my senior pastor, but I serve the Lord by serving him. Does that make sense? In other words, I need to serve someone to serve someone. You see what I did then? I need to serve someone to serve someone. But there's got to be someone at the end of the way. Where is my way going? Who's it touching? There's the truth. Who's it influencing? There's life. Who's it affecting? But as I was just kind of praying about this last week, and, you know, we've done other things during the week, and, you know, some of you have been at small groups, and some of you started to hear about freedom groups and all this kind of thing. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. But I just felt this morning, I just want to talk about why do we do what we do? Because this is in this amazing parable that, that I shared last week, you know, from the week before a little bit, from Luke 14, and some of you all know it. Uh, Jesus went to a house. There was a guy there that had a heart condition. The heart condition was, the, was the, um, the, the cause. But the symptoms were all of his water retention and everything was blown up. It looked like Mr. Bob Blobby right, on the outside. It's called dropsy or edema, I think it's called now. And then suddenly Jesus just healed it. And my take on that was, again, I shared this last week, is I felt as if the church has been a bit like that. You know, we've, we've been quite big on the outside, but not very manoeuvrable. I mean, the big church, whatever church. Is I think there's been a little bit of, I'm going to please myself. And, you know, as long as it works for me and as long as it fits in my life, and it, it affects our hearts. When we serve ourselves, it affects our heart. Because the one that serves my heart first is Jesus. The one who ministers to me is Jesus first, if I let him. Because he's not, he won't force himself upon you or upon me. He'll love us into it. You understand that? He doesn't serve like the world does. Where we've got to be this or that or look like that or look like that. Jesus doesn't care what we look like. He'll love us to look like him. But he doesn't care where it starts. Come on. I love that. But there was just part of this whole parable. And last week when I was dropped in it, I just spoke about service. Why? 
Because I think I've learned a few things about it. I know there's a lot more to learn, but I've learned a little bit more about the power of cutting the grass. Making it the best grass there is. Because you do it for Jesus. I've learned about sorting out the lawnmower so it's the best of stewarding. I've learned about showing it off to people so people can walk on it. Because let me tell you, your grass is not so you've got a green bit by your house. Your grass is you can have people on it. (laughs) So I'm not serving the grass. I'm serving what God wants to do with the grass. I learned the same thing through all these other things about painting houses and installing stuff that was way beyond my intelligence level. But as I got thrown in it, I suddenly realized if I just keep this serving attitude, God's going to make up my deficit. And let me just say that that's true for you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, not me who strengthens me. And that's very liberating. I find that very liberating. So the attitude of the servant is really important. But then the other thing that I just realized, and I'm just going to spend a few moments on that, is Jesus sent the servant in this story from the house. And I just began to think about what kind of house was it? What's Jesus' house look like? What's the master's house look like? I don't think it's a place where you go to get told off. It might be a place where we think we go to get told off. But the reality is it isn't. I don't think it's a place where we just go and have a go either. I think it's a place where we offer what we've got and God multiplies it and makes it more like he's got. I don't think the house is somewhere we go that is empty. I think it's somewhere where God's already in it and we help with him to fill it with his presence and with people. I don't think the house is shoddy. Now, I'm not talking about we need to have a million pound house because that's right. Or we've only got, we're living on the street because that's right. We know people live on the street and that is their house. So don't, don't go down the, the self-mind when I say the house. The house starts with your life and my life. Do you understand that? But our house together, to make sure that we're strong together, because we are stronger together, there's, there's a Kenyan saying that I stole it ages ago. That on your own, you can run fast, but together you can run far. I'll say that one again. I'm not in uh, Swahili, because I don't know it. But, but it. but this original saying was, yes, on your own, you can run fast, but with another, you can run far. And we need to be able to run far. We actually need each other. We need the servants. It says in uh, Luke 14, verse 21, servants came back and reported this to the master. The servant had gone out and asked this person, that person, this person, that person. Everybody said, no, I'm too busy. Servants are never too busy. (laughs) Here's a saying in the world. I don't really like it a lot, but there's a truism in the church. If you want something done, ask a busy person to do it. And I actually don't like that. Because busy and fruitful are not the same. Does that make sense? So I ask servants to do it, not busy people to do it. Because I know servants will get it done because they're fruitful more than busy. So loads of people come up to me in the last few weeks and said, oh, you're too busy to talk to. Okay, but did you ask me whether I was too busy? Or did you just guess? Does that make sense? I'm not, oh, please don't take that the wrong way because people think that. All I'm saying is busyness is not the same as fruitfulness. 
That's all I'm saying. And servants produce fruit, not busyness. And we are all busy. There's a lot of stuff going on. Everybody's got lives to live. But in it, God wants to lead us into the way of fruitfulness, the truth of fruitfulness, and the life of fruitfulness. But I was just kind of contemplating around the house. It was like, what does this house look like? I know what a servant looks like because I did a little bit of Greek when I was in the Bible school. The Greek word, many Greek words for servant is an attendant, a domestic, to serve, to, to wait upon another. It's interesting. To wait at table, to offer food, to drink, food and drink to the guests. So Monica's great at serving others. But here's, here's a thought, right? Sorry, Monica, to embarrass you. Here's a thought. Just a thought, right? It's my thought. I'll share it with you. <laughs> if you came in in a couple of Sundays' time and there was no hub working, would you be more concerned that there's no coffee or more concerned about how Monica was? Come on now. Hello. So one of the challenges in my journey of servanthood is I've stopped asking, where are they? I've started asking, how are they? Well, if you came up in a couple of weeks' time and there was no chairs or tables set out, would you say, where's the tables and chairs? Would you just grab them and put them out? Now, I'm not... <laughs> now, you have to work that out yourself, right? All I'm saying is the servants want the house to work. But in the same way as if you're having a party, party, now we're allowed to have a party, is you, and I know this, I, you know, quite often, probably every other four, four or five weeks, I go around and have a, a lovely meal with uh, Alan and Margaret, and they experiment on me, which is fine. I don't think they mind people saying that. Um, I've gone through four different kinds of burger and, and chutneys and everything. I, I'm really fine with that. I, I'm at a place of peace and, and, and okay. All right. But the point is, I know. All right, I know that they would have thought about that. They'd have given time to that. They'd have prayed into that. They'd have organised into that. They'd have got everything ready. And then they're looking out the window waiting for me to arrive. Because that's what a servant does. When, you, when, you, when we want to invite people to salvation, when we do, right? We want to prepare. We want to plan. We want to know the people, but then we're looking for them to come to our party. Which is why, I don't know whether people notice it, every Sunday morning we're in here, I'm looking out the window because I'm expecting more people to come. Because that's just a servant attitude. Who can I serve today? Who can I bless today? Who can I invest in today? Not, who can I talk to today? Because to be honest, I'll sooner be at home. I don't know if you're getting this or not. So the servant attitude is there's got to be an another at the end of it, not a thing. Take care of the poor and the sick. Yes, we need to do much more of that. To minister a thing to one another, to serve one another by supplying anything. How cool is that? What is that then? Time, talent and treasure. The same thing that everybody in this room has got. But I want to move on to a little bit of the house. Kingdom Faith Church is a very different kind of house, church, than most of us have experienced. I'm not saying it's better than everything else. But let me just explain some of the why. Now, I'm doing that because we've not run our course called Grow for a little while. Okay, And Richard and Sharon did the last Grow course. They are brilliant at communicating it because they communicate more than the paper. They communicate the heart of it. 
because the paper just describes the heart. But in this house, the reason why we do the worship in the way that we do, because I don't know about you, but I don't like singing about myself. I want to sing about God. I don't want to bring my way into Yahweh. I don't want to bring my truth into the truth. I don't want to bring my life into his life. Which is why our worship is very God-focused. And that's not an excuse. That's the reason why it's God-focused. Because in our house, we want this house to be filled with people who just like worshipping God. Not the band, not the screen, and not even one another. Is that making sense? Now, I'm not saying everybody's at that or wherever people are at, but this is, this is why this house is like this. When we pray, we're not praying about prayers or praying about problems. No, we want to connect with the way, the truth, and the life, and we want to find God's way out, God's truth in, and God's life to be released, which is why there's going to be more prayer going on as part of the house. Because we want to make you busy. No, we want to be fruitful in the things of God. We love small groups. Andrew is looking after the small groups. And in a few weeks, we'll, he doesn't know this, he's about to. We're going to give you an opportunity to find out more about our small groups, which I know he's been asking me for weeks. It's like, let's just wait, let's just wait, let's just wait. Now, we want people to be in a small group because we want loads of small groups. No, because we want to invest in the people that are in it. Because it's how we care for people, love people, help them in the way, help them in the truth, help them in the life. Is this this coming across in the right way? Because what I don't want it to sound like is a... This is about how we serve the house. At the moment, there's there's a group of people meeting up to talk about how we reach in our community. And at some point, we'll get some of them to tell you how we're reaching our community. Because there's lots of different ways going on. I didn't know that. We want to celebrate that. We want to communicate that. We want to validate that. How many of you know, sitting here right now, that you'll feel much better if I said, hey, you're doing a good job? How many of you would feel better right now if I come up to you and said, right, really appreciate you being here this morning? And don't tell me you wouldn't, because I'll cast that lying spirit out of you. Hallelujah. How many of you would, how many of you appreciate being validated? Because validate adds value. Right. But that's why the Bible says encourage one another. Honour one another. Love one another. Do you understand that? So it's not just about, oh, the, if, the, if the pastor says I'm brilliant, then it must be true. What if I said you're an idiot? Is that true? <laughs> well, you don't know. Of course it's not. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so... We, we, we need to serve the house, and we serve the house by serving one another. We serve one another. So, you know, we, we want to we engage with God's heart for people. But that heart for people doesn't just stay in this building. God's heart is too big. It's too big. God's heart is for all people. But we need to know what, what we're part of. We're part of a, of a church, of a congregation that believes all things are possible. And a few people that gave me that said, Amen, the rest of you are working it out. It's fine. You see, every house has got a culture in it. Your home has, your workplace has, the colleges and schools that some of your kids go to, they've all got a culture a way of doing things, an atmosphere, if you like. Culture is made up of two things, essentially. 
Essentially, one is values, the other one is beliefs. We have a culture here. And, it's, and I've just picked out nine things, all right? They're not in any particular order. And this is me talking about the culture that I have and want to develop and want to grow. I'm not saying that this is yours. But because I'm standing here and you're not, this is the kind of culture that we want to build in the house. First one is, I am a can-do person. I'm a can-do person. Not a will-do, but can-do. There's a lot of people say to me, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. Well, come back when you've done it. And if you make a bit of a what's-it of it, let's have a look at it and make it better next time. So Jesus was really, really clear about this. The servants in his house... Even the ones that said no did it anyway. The one that said yes and never did it, he wasn't so keen on. Check it out yourself, all right? So one servant said, yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that, I'll do that, and never did anything. Jesus thought, "Mm, okay. I won't ask him to do anything again. (laughs) Until he's learned something. The other one said, no, 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 no. But then suddenly he just went and did it anyway. So serving is about can, not could. There, there, is a, there is a bit of a, I don't know, it's in a lot of churches. There's this kind of atmosphere of, of woulda, shoulda, coulda. I would have done it, I should have done it, I could have done it. But no, we're can-do people, right? Come on, aren't we? I believe we are. I believe God wants us to be can-do people. Here's another one. This is not my job, it's my life. Oh, that's interesting. Because we've all got jobs that we get paid for or not paid for. But being a Christian is not a job, it's a life. <laughs> and you can go on all kinds of courses that say, right, let's, let's um, compartmentalise your life. So there's your work life, your home life, your leisure life, uh, your church life. Whereabouts is God in all of that? That is almost heresy. Hello. That's actually humanism with a little bit of Christianese. Because God is at the centre of all of my life. I don't have to try and work out, is he box A or box C of that bit? And he is Lord of all or he's Lord of nothing. And that's hard. But it could be one of the areas of life where the enemy's getting in and having a go. Because he might be Lord of this bit of our life and not that bit. But no, he's Lord of life. And when he, we make him Lord of our life, we live in that way, truth and life under his lordship. I will serve the Lord with gladness. I like this one. So even when I got this text late at night, and it was like, actually, I don't want to do this, I said, I'm going to smile anyway. Woohoo! I'm going to rejoice anyway. I'm going to delight anyway. Do I feel like it? No. Do I want to? No. Should I? Yes. <laughs> and I'll just remind you that in your face and in my face, you use over 35 muscles to make a face like some of yours at the moment, but only four to smile. Hallelujah. So... Let's smile a lot more and save wearing our face out for later. Is that okay? So even at that level, praise you, Jesus. See, I'll make you laugh. I'll make you laugh because I want you to receive. Because when you're laughing, you're a bit more relaxed. But no, we want to serve the Lord with gladness. We want to serve one another with gladness. We want to serve our communities with gladness. Every time I meet up with Terry and Tom and these other guys, are just they're out at work, they're doing the job bit, but their job is I want to serve people that don't have a lot. 
And you don't get a P45 for that. You don't get income tax or pension fund for that. What you get from Jesus is well done, good and faithful servant. Let me tell you, when you hear that, that's worth everything. You don't need a gold star. He is your gold star. You don't need a condemnation. You don't need a commendation. He is your commendation. Because those that serve the Lord, he says, yeah, well done. Like Dan, he's about to go back into work in an environment that I wouldn't want to go into, to be honest. But he's in there because he knows God's called him to be in there. And he's going to serve it, not because he gets paid, but because he loves people. Understand that. So we've got to think beyond, oh, it's a job. It's not a job. It's a lifestyle. Serve the Lord with gladness. There's another one. Empowerment starts with me. Wow, that's a wow. Well done, Soph. That's a wow. In other words, I have right now, you have right now, in your house, in your environment, you've got a little switch on the inside of you. You can either mobilize people or you can demobilize people. You can energize people or de-energize people. It's a choice. It is not an excuse. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, stop feeling like it then and change. I can't help it. Yes, you can. We can help you to help it. Here's another cultural value. I don't know. Anyway, okay. I'm not on the gossip train. (laughs) If stuff gets told to me, let me tell you, it does. I never go third person. I don't want to hear that from you and from you. I'm going to cut that off with me. I'm the last person who's going to hear that. <laughs> it stops with me. Whoop. Yeah, but don't but. That's what goats do, right? I'm a sheep, not a goat. Butt off. Yeah. It's gossip stops with me. It goes in one ear and up to God's ear. Come on. The world is partly how it is because it's got gossip in it. Hearsay, whispers, tittle-tattle. They're going to do that. They're going to invade that. They're not going to invade that. He's going to do... If you can go to the person and ask them, go to the person and ask them. If you can't pray, God will tell you. But let's not be on the gossip train. Oh, did you hear about... Oh, come on, that's old wives' tales and godless chatter that Timothy says, get out of it. So we don't have a culture in this house of gossip. We just cut it off. <laughs> this goes with that one. Is this all right with everybody? You're looking very kind. You're looking very lovely. <laughs> it just feels like I'm... Please, I'm... Anyway. Here's another cultural value that I carry. I'm not one of them. There's no us and them. It's just us. It's a bit like a really famous film came out. When did it come out, Zulu? 1960, something rather. Anyway, Andrew would know. If you want to find out more about the film, ask Andrew. It's based on a true story, true event in history. There's a whole bunch of Welsh people in the middle of Africa. There's about 200 of them, and the army facing them is about 10,000. Now, I know Welsh are pretty feisty. And, and, and to be honest, in the film, their singing was much better. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> it's where uh, Michael Caine got his first Oscar, and I think also so did... Um, Stanley Baker. And this Welsh guard, who's not very old, looks at the old bloke and says, why us? And the drill sergeant says, because you're here, lad. End of story. (laughs) (laughs) We we are. We are the them. 
we are God's solution to see our community come to the knowledge of Jesus. You are and I am. Now, we pray for organisations, social age, all these things. We pray for them, but ultimately, ultimately, God's saving grace, and we heard it through the worship, is you can only come to salvation through Jesus, which is good, right? But the people that Jesus uses to let people know that is you and me. So there's no us and them. No, we're all us, or we're all them. It's like this other person that is non-existent is to someone. Someone will do it. I, I wish I knew who someone was. I wish I had his address. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Someone will do it. Yeah, but who is that someone? Is that just me? Anybody else get that? It's like, yeah, this doesn't get done. That doesn't get done. Or No, someone will do it. Yeah, well, someone else needs to do it. Let's, let's find someone to say, you're sacked. And get someone else to do it. Because this someone never seems to do anything. <laughs> is, this, is this okay so someone has to do it and guess what it's you and it's me if you know Jesus you've got Jesus but why have you got Jesus so somebody else can get him uh, so there's no us in them this is why the next part is I'm going to bring those around me on my journey I don't want just to be the only Christian in my world I want to reproduce others. I don't want to be the only person that knows God like I know God. And that's what I'm doing now. What am I doing? I've only used one scripture. I'm just trying to share my heart with you, okay? This is not like a, um, this is like a housekeeping preach today. It's about this is part of the house that we're sending you out from. Is that I'm going to bring people on a journey with me. Here's, here's number eight. What I'm part of is bigger than I am. <laughs> I got this yeah, years ago. When I was you know, doing this out in the back of nowhere and getting wet and hanging from ladders that I probably shouldn't have been and doing this, that and the other. And I, I was Brick Lane, right? Brick Lane. Here's a little story. Brick Lane. Do you know what a brick is? Anybody know what a brick is? Anybody not know what a brick is? Rob, bless him. He put his hand up. <laughs> So a brick is about, what, nine inches by three or something? Anyway, it doesn't matter. So there I am putting these bricks down. Brick, bit of cement, brick, pitch string. Whoop. And I thought, flip, this is not very exciting. Being honest with you. And said to me, what are you doing? I said, no, I'm laying the brick. I said, no, you're not. Well, I am. I said, no, you're not. I said, you're building a wall, aren't you? I said, yeah. I said, actually, you're building a city. One brick at a time. And that stayed with me forever. Is you are part of the brick. But you are part of a wall. And you're part of a city. Come on. God has made you, made us, greater than the sum of our parts. That's God. That's gone. That's why one can chase a thousand to ten thousand. There's something about being a house that multiplies our potential in God. So when, when a few of the guys that are here, again, this is not an advert to come and do it, although it is, when a few of the guys are putting chairs out, all right, there's however many chairs here, 50. But those chairs are about building a community 
They're about making it hospitable. They're about making it comfortable. They're about making it nice. It's not just about putting a chair out. When you go into the workplace, and some of you are, when I am, you know, my workplace is like yours. There's challenges in it and people in there I really love, people in there I don't. And I work in the church. Come on. But I'm not staying in the building to work in the church. Because for me, I am the building. Where I go, the church goes. But I realise I'm bigger than what I'm part of. You're bigger than what you're part of. When you pray, you're bigger than your little prayer. Sorry, that's undermining. When you're praying, you're bigger than your prayer. When you're in worship, God's doing something far more than your experience at that time. When you're sharing life, and we're going to be doing that as we break bread in a moment, there's something much bigger than that happening. But it won't be about us necessarily, it'll be about others. So part of why we do these Friday nights of prayer, which have been, we've only had a few, but they've been mighty, is there might not have been many people there, but I tell you, God's turned up with vigour. And I know, because you can see it, God's been showing us pictures and dreams and even during it and after it about what God is doing during those because it's far bigger than, than that moment. So when we do the encounters, we've got an encounter coming up in a couple of weeks here. It's not just about you or me coming and having a nice time with Jesus. You will. But it's so that God opens up a whole highway or a gateway. Other people can also experience Jesus. And then the last thing that I put on here, we're going to kind of reflect this back in a moment, is my spirituality is attractive. I just need to unpack that a little bit. Jesus really takes the mickey out of people of religion when he was wandering about, written about in the book of Acts and the Gospels, where it was the tradition of the time that to, to earn points before God, if you were praying, you made sure everybody knew. You dressed in a particular way. You stood, stood in a particular way. You stood in a particular place because you wanted to be accredited with something. When you were fasting... You, you walk around with a face like a slap bottom to make sure everybody knew you were fasting, that you were doing something to deal with your own weakness. Yeah? <laughs> How many of you know that people like to be around Jesus because he was the most joyful person that ever walked on two, earth, on two legs? There was something attractional about Jesus. So please, develop a smiley face. Develop a smiling countenance. I know that in this world you will have trouble. Hubble, bubble, toil and trouble. But I also know that in your spirit, you'll overcome it. Come on now. It's not about walking around with a stupid look on our face. It's about walking around with a, with a, with a joy in our heart. Does that make sense? So our spirituality needs to be attractive. I'm not going to start freaking people out when we're doing weird things. Because to me, they're not weird. <laughs> to see someone's eye pop back into their head when it wasn't one, it's not weird to me. To see someone wasn't breathing one minute and his next isn't weird to me because I've seen that. See someone's fingers grow back isn't weird to me, but it might freak you out. And I don't want to freak you out. Come on. But if we're just going to be silly, that is going to freak everybody out. 
So let's make sure our spirituality is attractive. People want to be around us. That's why we love small groups. And there's some brilliant small groups. Again, we'll talk about those in March. Is this okay? Is this all right? Rory, you have to say it's good because... <laughs> Bless him. I asked some questions at the end of last week, and I want us to spend just a minute on some of those now. And then we're going to break bread. Is that okay? Now, how we're going to break bread is like this. Richard has created for us a work of art, actually, which he does. So he's made these um, kind of little tablets. Tablets? Is that what they're called? Servers? I don't know. Platters? Whatever they're called, anyway. But every table has got its own... Um, Bits and bobs that it needs to break bread. So there's bread on there, and then there's cups on there, individual cups, because some people just prefer that. And uh, Holly's going to get those out in a moment. Part of the reason why I'm delaying is because we want all the kids back, all right? Because we, part of our culture is we are a family. It's not about there's an adult church and a young people's church. No, there's just one. Just we're all different ages. So in a moment, we're going to do that. But here, here's the thought that I just want you to share around your table. Well, it's two now, actually. First one is, out of what you've just heard, bearing in mind that none of that was written apart from the scripture, this is just what I believe God is saying right now, is what, how are you going to respond to what you just heard? Okay, if you can share that around the table, that would be great. Around some ways about how you're going to pray. In other words, the way, the truth, and the life. How are you going to pray? How are you going to worship, maybe? How are you going to look at your own house? your own disciplines, if I can put it that way, and maybe where you might need some help with that. Because you might, because we all do, I do. Remember, this is my journey, and I'm, I'm, I need help with this. We all need help with this. And then the second question is, where am I going to serve? So I asked this question last Sunday, obviously we're at church in home. Uh, it was, where am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve? Is it a group of people? Is it a situation? Is it, a, is it this? Is it... That kind of thing, because service has to look like something. So the first one is, what have I just got out of that? It might be you're just confused, in which case, forgive me and listen to it again on, on Monday. All right, because you can do that. Or it might just be, it's like, yeah, actually, that really spoke to me. I'll have that bit of debate, and then somewhere in it is, okay, where am I going to serve then? What am I going to do that maybe I'm not already doing? Is that okay? A couple of minutes to do that. And then we'll come back and we'll break bread. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.